What's going on? You're listening to another episode of the Dream Team Podcast. I am Andy Chase, and the team has a new member getting his feet wet in his very first episode. Welcome to the team, Mike. What's going on? What's going on? Can you hear me? Is everything good? Loud and clear. Glad to have you, Mike. And we also got Derek with us today. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, fellas? Been too long, man. Glad to be back with you guys. And of course... We got the man, Cy. Hey, hey, well wishes and blessings, everyone. Welcome aboard, Mike. Glad to have you. Welcome back, D. Let's go. All right. In this show, we are going to start talking NFL football because it's actually getting started later this month when players are reporting to training camp on July 28th. The NFL is shortening its preseason in 2020 to two games, and we're going to give our thoughts on that, as well as who are the teams to watch in each conference. Now, go ahead and get it started for us, Cy. What are your thoughts on the NFL shortening the preseason? Well, it's about time. It's been coming. I mean, the players have been asking for it. The fans have been asking for it. And if you really think about it, everybody usually plays only two two preseason games anyway. You know what I mean? The, 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 as they call it, the dress rehearsal for the league to start is usually about two players for all the, the good starters anyway. So for me, it's about time they did it. It took long enough, but um, safety-wise, it makes sense. It was no reason to play four preseason games as long as they did. And the, as long as uh, it's been happening, I mean, think about it, every, at least – one good player goes down every preseason. And, and, and there, I forgot the stat in the article that I read it. It was some good big-name players that have at least either missed half a season or the season going down in the preseason game. So to me, it's spot on. I'm happy. I couldn't wait for football, especially with everything going on. It's good timing. We, we're already in July. At the end of the month, everybody reports. But the flip side, though, let's be honest, is that the way practice and the way tr- uh, preseason and, and training camp is, and we might be rusty coming out the gate. You know, now that you only have two, pre- two preseason games, a lot of teams might come out rusty and it might take the first three to four games, the quarter of the season, just to get the, 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 the chemistry and everything going with cutting the preseason games to two. Yeah, I mean, I went back and forth on this one. Um, the fan of me is saying, why not? Just two games, man. I hate the preseason. Who wants to watch four games? Just like Cy was saying, man, usually good players get hurt in the preseason. And then your top players are not even playing usually, you know what I mean? And then you got your rookies or your undrafted rookies or the people that you may have gotten uh, as free agents end up getting hurt in a preseason game. And then it's all vanilla anyway with offense and defensive schemes. You don't really see anything as far as in the first couple of preseason games or the four preseason games. But then the other side of my brain is telling me that four preseason games with the coronavirus going on is a good thing to get the rookies kind of acclimated into NFL life, be able to learn the scheme a little longer, be able to know things more. But I think I have to go aside too. two preseason games is the way to go. And I think it'll be the standard. And the reason being is because of the coronavirus, people haven't been able and players haven't been able to, to stay in shape. You know, gyms are closed, facilities are closed. So it gives them more time to kind of be in shape, get in shape, learn the scheme, learn the teams, learn the cadence. And then if you think about it, with the preseason games, they're taking off uh, the first preseason game and the fourth preseason game. So the first preseason game won't start till August 20th to the 24th. So that's a week later than what it would usually start. So that would give, like I said, once again, players that kind of will come into camp out of shape because we all know there'll be a lot of them that probably haven't been working out and been out of shape to get in shape, learn the schemes, and then reduce not getting hurt. But we all know, too, once they go to the 17-game regular season, they're going to cut preseason games anyway. I think there'll be no more than three preseason games once they do the 17 regular season game schedule. Uh, So I just think that the benefit will be with the two games. Um, I think that the rookies will especially have more time to get in shape, be able to learn the, the offense and reduce risk on injury, not playing those other two games. And, and I agree with both of you fellas. Um, 
I think two preseason games is something that, that should become the new norm. Um, and kind of my perspective on this is, is that, number one, I think there's a lack of interest always, right? Like, I know that, um, you know, the, the four of us are probably some sports football junkies. But at the end of the day, some of those preseason games are hard to watch. And for me, I, I just, you know, maybe I catch a quarter or a half. Uh, but I would be lying to you if I said that I was tuning in for all 60 minutes. So I think, you know, number one, there's a lack of interest there. But I think the biggest take on it for me is that what do you need the preseason, the, the four games for at least, with, with these joint practices that teams are holding? You know, I, I mean, it's become such a, a big deal as far as teams getting together and practicing, you know, for a week at a time, getting in three practices together. I think you get a good look that way. And I know it, in – may take away from some of the fan experience. You know, I know there's fans out there that, you know, the only games they may be able to afford to attend are the preseason games. And so they look forward to, to being able to have that action. But at the end of the day, with the joint practices, I think the teams are getting the looks that they need. And I, I think at the same time that, you know, when you get to that fourth preseason game, I mean, you're talking about all guys that, that are battling to make the team, and that's great, and I think it's a great thing for some guys to actually get some NFL action. But at the end of the day, the, the guys that these young players are playing against, a lot of them are not going to make the 53-man roster. And I think, you know, it's good to get experience, but at the same time, you want experience at that level. And so there, there's nothing like regular season experience. And so for me, I just think with the lack of interest that's there and, and the fact of reducing the injuries, like both you guys talked about, the joint practices, there's just no need to go back to four preseason games. I think it's redundant. And I, I think that the league, especially with the 17 games, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to make money. And, and it'll, those two games are going to be forgotten. Yeah, I think you guys all really hit it on the nail there. One thing that I feel like is kind of important that might keep the four preseason games is the depth on the rosters and that you do need to watch and find that third string guy, that fourth string guy. And it would be kind of hard to only get two games of film on your players. I mean, obviously you have practice time, but watching them in the game is where it's the most important. So I feel like, that would be a, a big loss for the players who don't have an automatic starting role. And I think that would make it more difficult for the coaches to make their decisions on those tough uh, roster cuts. I think you hit it right on the, the, the head, the nail on the head with that. Um, it's going to be difficult. This is a weird year for, for all sports and everybody involved, especially the rookies coming in. Um, so I do see that as being a real big challenge and only having two preseason games, it's going to be really hard for them to evaluate who's the best and who should be kept and who should not be kept. And really to tell you the truth, with this whole crazy time and this COVID time, they're talking about instead of having uh, 53 players, having more than that, maybe 55, 56, that in the event a couple of players come down with COVID during the week and they can't play, then they have people right on deck that they can come in and whether it be a, a, a higher or a bigger practice squad uh, will be able to play on that particular day. They're doing that with the officials, too. I mean, they, the NFL is pulling out all the stops to make this season work. You know, even if an official comes down with COVID, they got some on deck that will be ready to go. But the other thing that made me go back and forth with this was that the revenue, um, losing out on the revenue of those preseason games. And we all know with this particular season, the NFL may lose money as opposed to gaining money for the first time ever. So with a team like my team, the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, we need all the money we can get, especially moving into that new stadium. And Mark Davis was, I believe, the only owner that uh, voted against, like, uh, I think they wanted to, to sell out the first couple of rows and put promos on. So, so prom pr promotions and stuff will be able to be seen on the, the screen and the tube instead of actual uh, fans. But I think with, uh, Mark Davis doing that, he knows that he'd have to give back that money to those people that bought those seats. So I think a revenue is a real big thing on, on as far as what made me kind of go back and forth on which one is the best. But I think two is still good. Yeah, and I think you're right. But also preseason games are great for the fans who necessarily can't make it to a regular season game. Um, they don't have 
the money to pay because there's a significant drastic difference between the price of a preseason game and a regular season game and that's what would be really disappointing in a way for those fans that even like uh living in the bay area there's a ton of las vegas raiders fans and it would be easier and more affordable to be able to go see your team play in the preseason and only having two weeks that that's uh, a possibility could be a bummer for the fans but i mean that's honestly not the biggest thing in the world, but I do just think that that would be a bummer for some fans who can't necessarily make it to the regular season games. I think the NFL will find more ways as far as the revenue goes and, and kind of to touch on what you were saying, Mike is, yeah, he, he was the only owner, Mark Davis to vote against. They wanted to tarp off the first six or eight rows for advertisements. And that's the way they were going to generate the revenue there. And actually the thing that I liked though about Mark Davis's stance was that um, it, it wasn't as much greed as far as it was that, you know, the, the tickets are already sold out to have to tell those people who, who paid the big money to be down there. A lot of those people probably coming from Oakland, coming from Los Angeles, black hole members, to have to tell them that, hey, you, you can't have your seats in the inaugural year. Uh, that's a big deal. And so I like where he was coming from there. But I think the NFL is a very polarizing league, and they're always going to find ways to generate revenue. And whether, you know, it's more interactive things in training camp uh, with fans being able to come out and, you know, not for free, you know, packages and different things like that. I, I, I think that there's opportunity for the – NFL to cancel these two preseason games and still generate the revenue, uh, you know, that they're used to having. Yeah, it sounds like we got a pretty, uh, pretty unanimous vote that two preseason games in the future would not be a terrible idea. But now let's start talking about the actual season in itself. There's a lot of interesting teams. There were a lot of big moves over the offseason. It was a huge draft this year. So um, go ahead and get into it, Mike. Who, who's your favorite team from the AFC? For this year, the favorite team of the AFC, I'm going to have to go. I mean, it's got to be the Chiefs. How, how could it not be, you know? I mean, they just signed the monument deal with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the weapons that they have. It's just like NASCAR with them, you know. So uh, it's gonna be hard to stop them, man. It's gonna be hard for them to 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 uh, to be stopped, you know. I definitely believe my Raiders, my Las Vegas Raiders, will make the playoffs, but I don't see them um, dethroning them as far as division wise, and possibly not even stopping them from getting to the Super Bowl. I I, I can see them going to the Super Bowl again for a back to back. I'll tell you this, as a Raider fan, I hate to say it. It's the Chiefs as 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 the 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 top top echelons team right now with the Ravens in my in my belief right a little bit a little bit right there with them. The only difference I'm gonna give is the quarterback play. You know I like Lamar Jackson, but again Mahomes is on another level. He plays different. You know, so I'm a, that's what edged out the the Chiefs in my book. I mean they got everybody returning back from that offense. They got everybody coming back from the defense except the, the uh, starting corner that went to Washington. But besides that, if it's not the Chiefs, I'm going to go with the Ravens, guys. The Ravens with, with adding uh, Calais Campbell, and they did not lose. So uh, the way I like to look at it in the offseason for me is addition without subtraction, right? So teams who added without losing anybody. And if you think about it, the Ravens, they added a ton of talent without losing and being able to keep their marquee players. So Ravens in my book, right next to the Chiefs, it's between them two on the, the AFC, and everybody else, honestly, is just playing catch-up. I'm going to keep it real. I just don't see any other teams competing with those two teams. Maybe Pittsburgh, and that's if Big Ben gets it together, but – Again, I say Bill, I say the Ravens and the Chiefs. I think I think you guys are spot on there for the Ravens and the, the Chiefs. I feel like those are pretty pretty easy answers for that question. Um, I've been a huge Deshaun Watson fan since he's been at Clemson. So 
I always have faith that the Texans can do anything with that quarterback because that man, I mean, as far as talent goes, I think it goes Patrick Mahomes and it goes Deshaun Watson right here. If not, Deshaun Watson is just, he does everything right. And he's, not only does he do everything right, but he just will not be broken. That guy was playing with like broken ribs. He gets hit and he still makes throws. He's exactly who you want under center. And I also like another young quarterback in Josh Allen. I really like Josh Allen too. The guy has an arm probably the strongest arm in the league. And he can also move too. People don't realize that he had one of the most rushing yards for any quarterback last year. So I think, and him getting Stephon Diggs is a big deal. So I think Josh Allen and the Bills could be a very surprising team in the AFC, along with Tennessee again. Tennessee came out of nowhere last year. And with Derrick Henry, you can ride that train wherever you want to go because nobody's stopping you. But, uh, what do you think, Derek? Who do you got in the AFC? Well, man, I, I'm going to have to agree with everybody as much as I hate to say it. Um, still salty about the Super Bowl. But uh, I'm going to have to go with the Chiefs. I just don't see how you, you don't go with Kansas City. As good as Baltimore is, and, you know, Cy made some great points about the additions that they made. I just feel that, in, in, you know, if it comes down to it, in, in a head-to-head matchup, I like Kansas City eight out of ten times. And I like Buffalo as well. And I hear what you're saying about Deshaun Watson, but I, I got a team that, that I know some people might laugh, but um, I like Indianapolis out of the AFC South. I, I think that, you know, a lot of people, listen, last year watching some of those Charger games, you know, Phillip looked washed, okay? But at the end of the day, there has been so many players, especially quarterbacks, late in their career that have gone on to find success with the new franchise. And I think that he fits perfect in that Frank Reich offense. I, I love their running game with Marlon Mack. And I think that, you know, they had some injuries last year. I like their defense. I think that they don't get enough credit on the defensive side of the ball. I like Indianapolis. And, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to go to the ball, but I like them to compete. I like them to be a factor in the AFC. And as far as Josh Allen goes, I love him. He's a young guy, super talented, super athletic. The Stefan Diggs transaction was huge for them. But at the end of the day, he looked lost in that divisional round game against Houston. Some of the decisions he made just kind of blew my mind. I know he's a young player, uh, but, but I will never get out of my head that lateral that he tried to throw as he was coming up the right sideline there. And um, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to live that down until he does something big again. But I, I like Indianapolis. But uh, overall, I see the Kansas City Chiefs back in the Super Bowl again. Great, great point with the Deshaun Watson. I, man, big fan, big fan. But my my issue with them is the coach. I don't trust him, don't believe in him. I don't like his play calling at crunch times. He He's always a bonehead move every time. He's like the Dan Tony of the NFL to me. I just don't, I don't like his style. And I think they asked too much of them. As much as, as Superman Deshaun Watson is, think about it. Him and Russell Wilson probably got to do the most just to get the dub out of any quarterback in the NFL. If you really think about it, they have to do a lot. And they're also the two with probably the average or below average offensive line. So they get no help there. Now, Seattle does have the running back running backs to help them but Deshaun it seems like he has to put on the cape week in and week out and and as much as I like him I don't like the coach now if you if you put Deshaun with Andy Reid I think he will be capable of doing what Mahomes is doing with the Chiefs that's how much I'm high on Deshaun Watson's talent that uh was a great pull from you as far as with the Texans um uh, they're always finicky you never know what's going to happen and Bill O'Brien you know uh, he always starts too it takes him too long to kind of get going you know even though they always kind of make the playoffs they always seem to struggle right in the beginning and you're just not going to win if you don't have any offensive line help and they don't have any and they ended up sending a lot of draft picks for Laramie Tunsil and still had problems with the offensive line so I don't see where I don't know where they're going I don't know what they're doing but then they could be a team that can reach the playoffs too but I 
wanted to get back to what Derek was saying with uh with the Colts, and I think that's a really good pool. Um, I'm not sure if they're the best in the AFC, but I can see them definitely going to the playoffs, possibly winning in the division. You got to think Philip Rivers' best years was with Frank White when he was the OC, and now he's the coach of the Colts. So I think they get a little bit of that magic back. Uh, the running back is dynamic, Marlon Mack, and then they drafted uh, Jonathan Taylor. I think that with T.Y. Hilton, and then the defense is nasty. I mean, you had DeForest Buckner, which I believe he'll probably have anywhere from 12 to 14 sacks. I think he's going to ball out. You add him to the defense that was already pretty good with, with Hooker and, and Leonard and all of them, man, they can really put up some dust in this, in this uh, AFC this year. Yeah, I'm glad you said the Colts because I was also wanting to keep them into uh, or wanting to put them into my list as well. But uh, I like the Bills just a little bit better because Phillip Rivers did have one of the worst years of his career last year. And people, I feel like, are kind of pushing that under the rug. But if you look at it, Jameis Winston and Phillip Rivers' seasons last year were not that much different. He threw a couple more interceptions, like five, but – he threw a lot more TDs, and uh, Phillip Rivers had, like, 27 touchdowns and, like, 22 interceptions. So, it, it, it was rough. Um, and the O-line, is it's pretty good now. It's sad because Andrew Luck's entire career got beat up, and then eventually when they built around him the whole entire time, he retired. But I think that Philip Rivers could struggle in Indianapolis in a new system. He was already struggling in San Diego. So I think that's a really interesting team to watch because they do have the defensive power to definitely be able to stop teams. And they do have the offense to be able to put up points. So I'm really excited to watch the Colts as well. Um, but let's move on to the NFC. Mike, who do you got coming out of the NFC? Okay, well, let's start. Let's go with NFC. Let's go with NFC West. I got the Niners winning the division again. I mean, I got them going 10-6, and six, which is worse than last year, but I think the team is a little worse than it was uh, last year than it is this year. Uh, and they, I even think there may even be a mutiny going on between John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, but that's a whole other story for a whole other day. But I still see them winning the division. Um I don't see anybody else beating them in the NFC either this year, possibly. Actually, no, let me stop. I do see somebody, and I think that's one of the teams that's out there that's loaded that actually I think might win the Super Bowl this year is the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they're stacked with Dak, Zeke, Amari Cooper, Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. The defense is nasty with Demarcus Lawrence. They signed Alden Smith, too. I mean, they got Jalen Smith. I mean, they got pieces everywhere, man. So even though I do like the 49ers and I do think that they'll win their division and they'll be back in the playoffs, I think they're going to run up against a, a Rhino and the Dallas Cowboys and they'll be the NFC's best. I'm so happy you said the Dallas Cowboys because I feel like somebody tells me they're going to win the Super Bowl every year and uh, they come out 8-8. Eight and eight, And they'll also put a super team together and they'll come out 8-8. Eight and eight. So when they come out 8-8 eight and eight next year – We'll, we'll come back to this take, Mike. But, no, I think, I think you're not wrong. They do have a stacked roster, and uh, they could do it, but we'll see. But for me, I, I mean, I'm a diehard Diners fan. I cried my eyes out when we lost the Super Bowl, and I'm not going to this year when we do. Uh, so I got the Niners winning the Super Bowl, winning it all. Um, not necessarily because I'm a biased fan, but – it's because we have the best head coach in the league. We have the best offensive mind in the league in Kyle Shanahan. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is severely underrated sometimes. Uh, he does not make the correct play, but he does win games, and I feel like people don't give him credit for those wins. Um, the defensive line is still going to be good. I know there's going to be a lot of pressure on Kinlaw to replace DeForest Buckner, but he is a large man, and he's going to create some havoc in the interior, which I think is really all they need with their front four pressure, which they like to use a lot. Uh, our linebacker crew is arguably the best in the league with Greenlaw, Alexander, and Warner. Warner's just jack of all trades, can do everything. Alexander's an elite run stopper. You go back to when he was on the Buccaneers, the, like, 
five games he played before he came to the Niners. They didn't give up a single 100-yard rushing game, and after that, they gave up 120-plus every game. He, he's severely impactful in the run game, and Greenlaw showed that he can be an elite cover guy. So I'm excited about that. I don't think our defense got as much worse as people think it did, but I think our offense got better. So that's what people – I think it's going to trade. I think we did lose a little bit on the defensive line, but I think we gained a lot uh, offensively in Ayuk, and we're getting heard. Kittle is Kittle. I mean, wow. And so I think the Niners are going to take it out of the NFC. Um, the Saints, maybe. Bucks, not buying it yet. And uh, Seattle's always fun because Russell Wilson is just – Amazing. But what, what do you think, Derek? Well, I, you know, just to touch on the Cowboys for a minute, um, I, I'm with you there. I think they, they have the personnel and on paper, it looks great. Um, I, I see them coming out of the NFC East is I, I view it as one of the weaker divisions in football at this point. Um, but the only big difference I see this year is, is a new head coach, Mike McCarthy. And maybe that is what Dak and Zeke and the boys need to get over the hump. I think Jason Garrett kind of wore out his welcome there in Dallas and it was time for some fresh scenery. So I do like Dallas. I, I think Minnesota is going to be tough again, even without Stefan Diggs. I think he turned into to more of a headache for them throughout the year. And, and I really got to credit them, um, you know, for kind of managing that and, and being able to navigate through the season the way they did. Um, and a little different than you, Andy, I am buying on the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, I know a lot of people, it is not going to be popular, but I'm a big Tom Brady fan. I think that, in my opinion, he's the closest thing to Joe Montana that we will ever see. And being that I got to watch Tom in my adult years and, and Joe in my childhood, I, I can really appreciate Tom's body of work. And I think that Tampa Bay is going to be tough. I think that, that they built a super team somewhat out there. But, um, you know, again, call me biased, but I got to go back to those San Francisco 49ers. I, I just don't see how they're not back again. I, I will say this, though, for, for a lot of people out there that are going to be detractors, and I know you talked about Kyle Shanahan, and I do think he's one of the most innovative minds in football. But I'll tell you what, before last season, that's what people were saying about Sean McVay as well. And I think for me this year, I'm really interested to see you know, how people are going to make adjustments against the Niners. And I, I think that this is going to be a telling year for them. But, you know, the NFC West is going to be stacked. The Cardinals made some big moves. The Seahawks are always tough. Um, you know, the Rams, I, I think they might be going in another direction. But I like the Niners. I, I think we're really strong. And I think with the defensive line, you know, touching on depth and different things. Obviously, it's huge to lose Buckner. But, you know, you get a guy like Ronald Blair coming back off the ACL. Um, you know, you could slide him into multiple positions the same way you could play Armstead. I like the depth there still. I like the fact that, you know, you go out and get a guy like Javon Kinlaw. Do I expect him to produce in year one? I think he's going to be serviceable. I think he can be solid. But I, I like building from the inside out. And I think that that's one – thing is you know we weren't rushing to totally address the secondary just due to the fact of the way that John likes to run the team and you know at, at this point in John and Kyle I trust and uh, I like the Niners to be right back there again I'm gonna tell you guys I only had two teams that was a clear cut to win the division on on the NFC side which was the Cowboys and the Bucks right the other two divisions was tough man the Packers and the Vikings to me is a toy is a, is a uh, a coin flip. Vikings got the D. I think the Packers got the right formula, but I don't like what they did in the draft. And and the Vikings on the other hand losing Diggs, it made it kind of even. The 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 last division that was really tough, which is the 49ers and Seahawks, like it has been. And the reason why I say it's a toss up is because look at it like this. The Niners' bread and butter was the D-line. The weakness to Seattle is their O-line. And every game still came down to the end and went overtime last year, right? Now, coming in this year, in my opinion, I think the 49ers' D-line will not be as good. And that's because of Buckner. I'm a big Buckner fan. The guy has produced from, from every level 
of, of, of play from, from college to the NFL. He came in and hit it. He was an all pro when, when the 49ers weren't good at all. So to me, expecting Kinlaw to, to make up that uh, productivity, I don't see it. And the other thing that I, that I don't like is that the receivers, you lost, you lost Manuel, and now we're going into unexperienced receivers. Debo Samuel is a beast, but what has he shown as a receiver? Not a running back. I know what he can do when you pitch him the ball on sweeps or, or, or encounters and inside traps. I know what he can do. But my key is, what is he doing when he li lines up? Now that you don't have Manuel on the outside, now you have Hurd. What are, he, what are we going to get from him? Debo, the receiving core is unexperienced. And I think coming into this season, a lot of teams are going to see if you guys can pass the ball. They know you want to run the ball down their throat, and I don't think you're going to be able to do that. So that's why I say it's a, it's a, it's a toss-up. Seattle, they made a few adjustments on the O-line. Is it enough to make a difference? We'll see. But I like what they did in the draft by bringing in Brooks, a hell of a sideline, a sideline linebacker. The secondary is better with the additions of, of – uh, the 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 corner that they got from Washington, and then now they got they got um the Detroit corner set secondary from last year having a, a whole off season to help out. So it's going to come down to them. But again, the Cowboys. I got the Cowboys or the Bucks going to the Super Bowl. I'm a big believer. Finally, this is the right jail for the Cowboys with the head coach. I'm gonna put it all on him. And if Dak can't do it with this team and the pieces around them, then it will never get done. And again, back to what Derek was saying, I say the Bucks because I have this same feel as when Montana got pushed out of town and he went to KC. It's the same feeling. I feel the same. He went to KC, and look what he did. They went 13-3 and that year, made it all the way to the, to the AFC conference game and lost. But I, I believe in Tom Brady, don't like him but I know he's a baller and the weapons that the Bucks have, it's either the Cowboys or the Bucks going to the Super Bowl, fellas. And, and wow. Hey, Hey, uh, the, the, the line about, about Cal, Cal Shanahan being the best coach in football over Andy Reed and Belichick. That was, that's a bold statement. I feel like, just from his short body of work and what he's done. Yes. He has lost, the two Super Bowls, but he's gotten them there. And so I think just how young he is, his offensive schemes and how everybody talks about how he's so over the top compared to anybody else offensively. He, I will give it to you. Belichick probably is still the best coach in the league because defensively you're not going to get a better coach than Bill Belichick maybe ever. So, but um I thought that was pretty interesting, you guys. We had a pretty unanimous selection in the AFC with the Chiefs coming out, but the NFC seems to be pretty much a toss-up, and it sounds like Mike and Cy like the bot teams and the teams that you pump the money in to see them win. So I'm, I'm ready for this next season. I think it's going to be super-duper exciting. But coming up in the next half of this episode, we are going to discuss if the 49ers and Chiefs are going to be the next great sports rivalry and Patrick Mahomes record-breaking contract. Stay tuned. The 49ers and Chiefs were the perfect combo that the NFL was looking for in the Super Bowl last year. Two young teams, a super defense, a super offense. Both these teams are showing the signs of beginning dynasties. What do you all think? Do these teams have what it takes to be the next great sports rivalry? So I'll tell you what. Um, I like the trajectory of both of the teams, and I thought I agree with you. What an exciting Super Bowl and the pairing of the teams, the coaches, the personalities. Um, I do believe that there's unfinished business there and that there will be a rematch, whether it be this year or the next year. I think that both teams are in their window. 
But at the end of the day, I, I don't know if I could see it as an actual rivalry between the two teams. And the reason for me is just due to the fact that when you have teams in two different conferences, and especially the way that the NFL, with there only being 16-game seasons and maybe regular season-wise, getting to play each other once every few years, you know, three or four years, something like that, I think that it puts a lot of pressure on those teams to get ultimately to the Super Bowl where they're going to class, just being that it's an NFC and an AFC thing. Again, I, I think there's unfinished business, and I do see a rematch within the next couple of years. But as far as a rivalry, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that. I like Kansas City and Baltimore to be the next great rivalry in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, it's hard, man, because, you know, as a Raider fan, and, you know, I call in to the 97, the 95.7, the game as Raider debater, you know, and shout out to 95.7 uh, for bringing us all here and getting us all here. But, you know, it's hard to be objective a lot of times when you live in the Bay Area, you're a Raider fan, and you also have another team across the water that's had the success as the 49ers and not to kind of hate and to be kind of jaded and, and really, you know, not be able to, to tell my real feelings or real objective feelings, but I'm like, Derek, I, I don't see a, a, a rivalry popping off. I can definitely see possibly that they have a rematch this year. I think that's the only way that it could even get close to becoming a rivalry if they go back to back and see each other in the Super Bowl uh, this year for 2020. But I just don't see it, fellas. You know, um, with the Super Bowl – to me, you know, in these COVID times allowed me to kind of watch the Super Bowl in detail more than once. I know probably for you, Derek and Andy, I don't know how many times you've watched the Super Bowl. Couldn't watch it if I was a 49er fan, but I've watched it in detail a couple of times and really I don't see how close it really was as a game. It really, to me, wasn't that close. A lot of people say uh, the 49ers dominated you know, three and a half quarters, and I see them dominating maybe two quarters, having two good quarters. But mind you, the first quarter was seven to three Chiefs. So it, I don't see how they dominated the first quarter and they're losing the first quarter, and then going into halftime is 10-10. Now, they had an awesome third quarter, and Pat Mahomes had a horrible third quarter and really started off in the fourth quarter really being bad. But they got outscored 21 to zip in the fourth quarter. And I think Jimmy Garoppolo had a zero QBR in the fourth quarter. I mean, he really looked horrible, and it just seemed like they didn't know what was going on. It looked like Kyle Shanahan kind of lost trust in Jimmy Garoppolo in the playoffs and the Vikings game and then started just running and then decided after halftime that it was time for him to let loose and pass a whole bunch of times instead of running, which was winning you the ball game with Debo Samuel just being a beast right, with the sweep, jet sweep and the, the running that was going on. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm sorry, he was very inaccurate in the game. I see him being very inaccurate going forward. Like I said earlier, I could see a mutiny going on with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan because I don't believe Kyle Shanahan is on board with Jimmy Garoppolo. It definitely looked like that in the playoffs that he totally got off board with him and then decided to bring him back in the second half only to end up blundering the game off with every time there was blitzes he couldn't get a pass off. So with DeForest Buckner leaving, and mind you, he was, I believe, a first-round seventh pick, and you guys gave up DeForest Buckner for a 13th pick. And I do believe Kinlaw will be good. I, I, I was wishing that the Raiders would get it. So I do believe he'll be able to hold his own, but it's going to be hard as a rookie to hold his own in this COVID time also, where DeForest Buckner was kind of the leader of the team and brought the anchor and when you look at that Super Bowl, him and Nick Bosa were really the only things in defense that was keeping you guys, uh, you know, even afloat in the game. If you go back and look at that game, Richard Sherman, I believe, gave up. He had five targets. He gave up five catches, 72 yards. He looked horrible. Uh, Mosley looked horrible. When you look at the touchdowns, Warner, Fred Warner was getting burnt on touchdowns. That's how Kelsey got wide open on that first touchdown. And, the touchdown that Davian Williams scored, he also uh, was the man that was supposed to be covering him at that time. Kawan Alexander looked bad after the injury. I mean, there's some real questions going on with the 49ers offense with, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Kittle. 
and he's looking like he's trying to ask for anywhere from 18 to 20 million. And I think they want to give him more like 12 to 13 million. So I don't think that's going to work out. I really think that they're, they're going to be at an impasse and a standstill and they might even have to look to trading him at, at some point, you know, and like I said, uh, you know, Julio Jones is on line one, you know, and with Julio Jones being <laughs> with Kyle Shanahan and, and the Atlanta Falcons, I think that's the, the perfect bet. But I think there's a lot of questions going on coming into this year. Brandon Ayuk, will he be able to take over for Emmanuel Sanders? Like Asai said, when Emmanuel Sanders got traded, he pretty much became the number one receiver, and he really bolstered the offense. Now you guys don't have that, and Bolster's looking to get paid now, and it's really just the system, and they really don't have a wide receiver, and Ayuk is all over the place. So – I really don't see, other than next year, them even having a chance to be there in the conversation to be a rivalry with the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm going to piggyback from what Derek said. I mean, it's going to be really hard when, to get rivalry in football, especially when they're not in the same division. Now, think about it, right? We're talking about for them to meet, they would have to be in the Super Bowl. And it's hard to get the same two teams – coming back to the next year, right? Maybe once or twice it happened. I mean, I remember when Seattle and the Patriots played that great Super Bowl, it was the same talk that same offseason about, oh, is this the next rivalry? With, with football being so hard to, to, be, to come in every year and dominate because things change, especially in certain divisions, I don't see it being a rivalry at all. Now, if they were in the same division, we could say it would be a good rivalry. But for them to make it to the Super Bowl the next few years, I say it's tough for both of them because with injuries, anything can happen. And again, it's we got you, you think about special teams, a missed field goal here, a fumble here. You're out of the playoff playoffs. You only you lose one game and you're out. It's just so much that goes into to a, for a team to move on, sometimes it's luck. A lot of times it's luck, actually. You know, the way the ball bounces, weather. So it's just so much that goes into it. And, and the two teams, if, if you – now the question is, right, if you asked me in the next five years, can you see both of these teams playing each other in the Super Bowl? I could say yes. I would say yes to that. Now, if you're saying coming into this season, do I expect both to be there? I absolutely don't. I see the Chiefs having a better shot at getting to the Super Bowl than the Niners. And, and the reason I say that is outside of the Ravens, I don't really see anybody playing that level of football with the Chiefs. Now, in the other division, you got the Buccaneers, you got the Cowboys, Seattle's always difficult, you got the Saints, if they can get it together. It's just so much on the NFC and with so many good teams and good quarterback play, let's not forget about the quarterback play. Now you got Tommy over there. You got Aaron Rodgers over there. You got Drew Brees over there. So it's, it's tough. And, and the way the makeup is again, I just don't see both teams, especially the 49ers moving on this year. Now in the next five years, can they meet maybe once or twice once? Yes. Twice, maybe, and, and I still don't see that being a, a rivalry in the NFL. It's tough. It's, it re it's really hard to get a rivalry in the NFL when it comes down to the Super Bowl games. Because, again, the one that I can think of is, is the Buffalo Bills and Cowboys playing back-to-back. -back. Besides that, I can give you – can they turn into, like, the Giants and Patriots? Remember, they played, what, twice in a, in a five-year five window? Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. No, that's right. Correct. Maybe a couple years less than that, but yeah. Right. So I can see that, but but again, I don't know, man. I I, I like how Shanahan is the coach. I, I don't really buy buy Jimmy G at all. Questionable about their defense, especially the way the 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 way Ford and Alexander looked in that Super Bowl game was 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 something as a 49er fan you guys need to 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 keep an eye on. I did not like how they they looked at all. Buckner and Bosa stand out. They popped in that Super Bowl. Play after play after play. And Warner did too, even though he had a couple bad reads. Those three 
did more than anybody on that defense. And the secondary, I'm going to be honest, they got exposed, you guys. That secondary, the Niners secondary got exposed. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're – I think you guys are right. Uh, it, it definitely is very difficult for two teams not in the same conference, not in the same division to become a rivalry, especially in football. I just think that more so than less, these two teams have the capabilities to become a dynasty. Um, I think that they're both extremely young. And with Patrick Mahomes just signing his contract to 10 years, that could easily build a Chiefs dynasty. Now, the 49ers dynasty is going to be a little bit more difficult, and it's probably going to be built around Kyle Shanahan and his ability to just put up points with anybody on the offense. And then we're going to consistently draft defensive linemen, apparently, every single year, which, I mean, is working. Uh, But, you know, I just think that with both these teams, they're both so exciting This last year was so much fun for both of them. I just think that it could be possible that we see them uh, playing in the Super Bowl two more times or something like that within the next two to four years. I think that's easily possible for them. But I think with the Chiefs having an easier route in the AFC, it's going to be easier for them to look more like a dynasty than the Niners. But you can't take anything away from the Niners being so dominant after being so bad and then showing that not only were they dominant, but they also kind of have the keys to continue to be dominant. So that's, that, that was mainly my whole thing about how they could both be dynasties in the future. But yeah, I think becoming the next great sports rivalry, which I believe the most recent great sports rivalry was definitely the Warriors and the Cavs. I don't think they're ever going to be close to that, but I'm hoping that we could get something like that in the NFL because we haven't really had something like that where we have two teams from each conference who are consistently the best. And I think that brings out good things in the sport because you have to be better to win. So, but as talking about this, it it definitely, we need to bring up Patrick Mahomes contract. This is record breaking stuff. I believe it's going to change sports contracts for the end of time, uh, he got paid so much money and so long. He's is he showing a team friendly deal? Is he showing loyalty? I'm not really sure because he's asking for so much more money. Let me break it down for you 10 years, 503 million, 63 million at signing. He gets 141 million. In case he gets injured, career over, he's guaranteed that. But then after 2022, because in 2020, his salary is $825,000 with a signing bonus of $4 million, which is nothing. But after 2022, he's taking a big hit on their salary cap. So he's either going gonna to be between 30 and $50 million of their salary cap. And you only have $200 million. So that's paying a fourth of the roster on one guy. Now, Patrick Mahomes is arguably the only player that's worth that type of money, but how do you think that's going to affect sports contracts in the future, you guys? Well, I think that, to be honest with you, I, I don't look at this deal the same way that, that maybe everybody else is. I think there was a lot of shock value to see that, that half a billion dollars, but I really don't see it resetting the market. I think that, you know, there's been a lot out there. Uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, probably licking his chops after seeing this, a guy like Lamar Jackson. But at the end of the day, it's what you said. Look, Patrick Mahomes is a generational player. Uh, we have to remember something. I don't even believe he, – he, he's not going to turn 25 until September. So going into the final year of his contract, he'll be turning 36 years old. And, and we've seen at the quarterback position, guys can play deep into their careers. Now, with his style of play, injury is likely – um, I do see it, though, a little bit of a team-friendly deal because I really believe in sports you have a window. And I think that the window for the Chiefs is now. And, you know, even going into, you know, this year, next year, if they want to defer some of his, you know, base salary into a signing bonus and free up cap space, 
It gives them the flexibility there. You know, the, the way that it's structured over the 10 years is I, it, it almost is guaranteed though, which is funny is because, you know, every third day of the league year uh, from here until 2031, his contract, the big portion will become guaranteed. And if he makes it all the way to 2031, that'll have him earning $477 million. So I, I think that it's a, a special contract. I don't know if this is going to be something that's new and going to kind of take the league by storm with some of these young quarterbacks where everybody's going to be, you know, demanding that type of deal. I don't think everybody deserves that type of deal. Uh, but I, I think when you look at it, if you look at the 141, I mean, that's 40% more guaranteed than the biggest deal thus far, which, you know, I believe was Kirk Cousins, right, at the time with the three-year deal and having all $84 million guaranteed. So, you know, with the $63 million guaranteed at signing, I think that the amount of years and the big number with the bonuses to actually reach the 503, I think it gave a lot of shock value. Uh, but overall, I think that, that he deserves the money. And I think that the Chiefs have an opportunity to be good for as long as he's there. But I, I don't see them winning for the next 10 years. I could definitely see some down seasons, but I think they're going to stick with him. He's a good face of the franchise and he, he deserves everything that's coming to him. Yeah, I agree with everything Derek said. I mean, Really, it, it looks – he, for one, deserves it all. I mean, give him everything. Give him a billion dollars if you, if you could. I mean, the guy <laughs> is the future. He's probably the best player in the league. He'll probably, when it's all said and done, be top five quarterback ever. Um, but he definitely left money on the table. Uh, it looks like that he made it extremely team-friendly for them to continue to win in the next couple of years. I mean, they're only giving him, what, $5 million next year or this year mm -hmm. coming into this season? You know, he did get the uh, the $60 million cap hit, but he's only a cap hit of $5 million. So even – and I believe uh, Russell, William, Russell Wilson is making, what, $35 million this year in 2020? So he's making well under that so where they can keep everybody in place and they already have their dynamic team other than uh, Jones, the D-tackle, that may end up getting traded uh, – Everybody else is still intact, so he still have everything. And then next year, he's making what twenty four million. And I think I looked it up that he'd be the twelfth highest paid quarterback. So he's made it to where in the next couple of years they'll be able to restructure, be able to keep their pieces that they need to keep if they need to go and get somebody else, get a free agent, or keep the people that they have, whether it be Sammy Watkins or Tyreek Hill. They'll be able to do it in the next couple of years to where they might be able to win a couple of championships in the next four or five years to become misty don't see them after that probably winning when that contract gets like ridiculous and 59 million dollars he'll be kind of like wilson with the seahawks uh but because he'll have done so much for the city and the the team they'll just keep him and he'll always be the fans in kc barbecue you know so but I definitely think that in the next maybe five years, they have a real good opportunity to become a dynasty. But after that, I don't see them winning much more after that. But he could have gotten uh, uh, maybe $650 million. You know, definitely if he would have waited the two years before his, you know, once his contract was up and then signed then in, in two years from now, when, it, you know, quarterbacks will be making, you know, $40 million next year and $45 million next year, he could have asked for $65 million a year. You know, so I think he actually uh, left some money on the table and helped the Chiefs out be able to continue to possibly become a dynasty. Yeah, I, I say this. It was well-deserved. If, 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 if anybody, he, I could say he's the only quarterback that could have asked for whatever he wanted and he would have got. Now, I don't think it's going to be the new norm at all because think about it like this. How many NFL teams really like their quarterback enough to say, I want this quarterback for the next 10 years? Think about it right now. How many NFL franchise and owners feel that comfortable with the quarterback to say, I want him for the next 10 years? Maybe Watson the, or Jackson. Maybe. And that's maybe them two, right? And, and, and Jackson, the style of play, let us know that's not realistic, right? Mm -mm. That style of play, not realistic at all. Watson. Mm, maybe, and that's funny you say that because the next three who's up right now, not in this order, but Watson, Dak, and Lamar Jackson. 
Will they get anywhere close to Mahomes? No. No. At all. No way. No, and they haven't deserved it. You got to remember what, what Mahomes did. His first year starting, he became the, the league's MVP. Took Tom Brady to overtime before the game of the Super Bowl. And then the next year, he won the Super Bowl. So I expected this maybe the, the, the 10 years was, was surprisingly because of the position he plays and the style of play for me. Because, again, he likes to run around, and, and he takes some shots. With the style of play is, is, is why I'm more surprised at the 10 years. The money-wise is well-deserved. Again, he could have got anything he asked for. And, and my opinion, he seems like the type where he can go back and, and, and maybe redo the deal to bring people on. To, yeah. to keep this to keep this window going, I, I, he's that type of player. I don't see him greedy. I really think he's chasing legacy more than anything. I think he wants to be the best to ever play it. And I know he knows football enough to know you need players to come along. You need players to keep this window open. And I just see him redoing his deal over and over again to get the right pieces in play. Now, we could say this is the first baseball contract in football, which is good. I always believe football players out of anybody should deserve automatic guaranteed money because what, they, what they're what they putting their bodies on the line. You know what I mean? They do a lot more than anybody with their bodies, and, and especially how the NFL treats them after they're done. All contracts in the NFL should be guaranteed. Correct me if time. I'm wrong, but the NFL makes more money than the MLB, I believe. And any, they make more money than anybody. Yeah. So and and they also pay the least. Yes. That's I the get, funny part. Yeah. I get that there's so many men on the rosters. But, yeah, like you're saying, they're putting their bodies on the line at much more than Bartolo Colon up there, you know. So I and, 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 and think about it like this, right? The, the players' union has a lot to do. Why? Because you got to remember, out of all sports, MLB got the best player union. It's been like that for a while. They're going to push and shove when it comes, and they make examples, right? The NFL, their player union has not been strong. It's hard to get 53 players on the same team, let alone in, 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 in the league, to agree on something, right? So look at it this year. This year, they agreed on the new CBA, which takes money out of the retired NFL injured, injured players, right? So in all, he's well-deserved good as a Raider fan he's going to be going to be battling them for years so for me it's like damn I wish he would have signed a shorter deal and get out of Dodge but hey he earned it he's a baller I think you guys yeah you guys all hit it right on the nail he earned every penny that he got I think him getting a 10-year deal is um team friendly in a sense because it's just contracts are just going to get more expensive. The salary cap's just going to go up year after year. So I feel like him signing for 10 years is actually not as beneficial to him as it could be if he signed for four years and then came in, signed another four years. And honestly, he probably could have made more than 503 million if he kept redoing his contract every couple of years. Cause if he really wants to stay with the chiefs, you can make that happen. Cause they're not going to let you go. So that's what it really comes down to. That's what made me think. It's like you really, 10 years you're locked into this, like this contract is it. So I see him reconstructing this contract at some point in his career. But uh, go ahead, Mike. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, what a hero for Kansas City. And saying that, you know, it really hurts me being a Las Vegas Raider fan. I wish he would have took a choppier deal, got out of Dodge. But with him taking a 10-year deal, he shows that he wants to be a Kansas City Chief for life. You know, he wants to retire as a Kansas City Chief to the point where if he did take a four-year deal, you know, after that four years is up, maybe he asks for $80 million for another four years, you know. So, I mean, the salary cap would be ridiculous in how much he could ask for. So the fact that he asked for 10, 10 years and got 10 years, he's making it to where early on they can keep everything intact to become a dynasty, and then if he free agents, he'll be able to do that as the time goes on. To touch on something that, that Cy was talking about, I, I think two, two things here. You know, we talk about um, a, a baseball contract in football, and this is where I was kind of going in the beginning with my point is, see, I don't see that. 
Because when you look at $140 million guaranteed and you talk about baseball, let's just bring up the New York Yankee roster right now and who isn't guaranteed $140 million on that team. And I think that, that maybe a guy like Patrick Mahomes should have been guaranteed more money. But I, I think that you, you make an amazing point about the restructuring of the contract, and I think we all agree there, because we see that's what the formula was. Look at New England. You know, when you, when you were going down the list of top-paid quarterbacks, did Tom Brady ever even show up in the top ten? I mean, you know, there was years he's probably playing for $16, $17 million. Now, you know, I don't know how these deals are structured behind the scenes, and I'm sure that he was well taken care of uh, by Mr. Kraft. But at the end of the day, the formula is going to be able to have the flexibility to restructure the deal, bring in the pieces. And, and lastly, Andy Reid is not a spring chicken. He's been in this league a long time, and I, I think that part of their success – is Andy Reid. So it'd be interesting to see with a new head coach how that dynamic would work. Eric Bieniemy is in the study. He is studied. He will be taking over. Remember that. I'm telling you, that's who's going to take over for Andy Reid. He's been there for a while. He knows the system. He, 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 he does a lot of the play calling as it is and drawing up the plays with Andy Reid. So I think that's who's going to take over, and it's going to be it's it's they're going to have a, a a good little run coming up. You know, finding the person, the right personnel is important in anything in sports, in teams, in our podcast. Having Mike on here with us, so this was this was a ton of fun talking NFL football with you guys. I had a great time. We're going to go ahead and do our sign off right here. You cannot have the fulfillment of the dream without the team. Thank you for listening. Woo! Keep doing more of these.